Hey, welcome to the Stinky Tofu Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Furtado, and this is episode number one. This episode's topic is food waste, and I spoke to Allison Mountford about it. Allison is a chef. She has a company called Ends and Stems, and she leads a project called the Great Food Waste Challenge. She'll tell you more about it in the episode. This episode is quite cool, and it's uh, one of our longest because we got really, really excited. We talked about what day-to-day people can do to reduce food waste in their own homes, whether you live in a city or in a rural area, what governments and corporations can do, and if it's their responsibility to begin with. We also talked about what we would do if we saw someone at a restaurant leave leftovers and if you should confront people. If you want to see our show notes or learn more about our in-person events and Facebook group, be sure to check our website, www.stinkytofufoodtalks.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with your friends and family or leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you are listening. Your support will help us get more listens and produce season two. Enjoy! I'm super excited because one of our original Stinky Tofu members is here with us, Allison, talking about food waste. Thanks for joining, Allison. Thank you for having me. I'm excited <laughs> to participate. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your business ends and stems and, and this project that you have? Yeah. Um, so I live in San Francisco and I'm a professional chef. I've been, that's how I've made my living for the last 15 years. And I've always also been an entrepreneur. So I've always worked for myself. My first business was a meal delivery company. I've done tons and tons of catering. Um, And right around 2015, I sold my first job or my first business. And that was also when all of the reports started coming out about the environmental impacts of food waste. Mm -hmm. And it just clicked for me. Um, Not wasting food was originally just something I did to keep my business afloat. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you're, you know, trying to save every penny and it matters on such scale, you know, we use the tops of everything and we make sure, you know, never to throw away any parts and we make soup and stock. Mm -hmm. But it was always just for very pragmatic financial reasons. Mm -hmm. And when I heard the, about the, and started really, like you, I got obsessed and started studying um, about the environmental impact, I just knew that it there was more to that for me. Um, I've always been somebody who loves being outside and and been worried about climate change. So I knew I had something to say. Mm-hmm. And I started testing it just by putting up tips on Instagram. And I actually had a job. I worked for somebody else at the time. But people started following me on Instagram. They started asking questions. People I hadn't spoken to in 20 years came out of the woodwork to ask what to do with their Brussels sprout uh, leaves when they chopped them. <laughs> So I just kind of went with it really without knowing exactly what was going to come of it. But then I I quit that job and started up my catering business again. And I really wanted to have this mission based business. I wanted the double bottom line of, you know, being successful financially so you can continue as a business. But I also wanted to have an environmental mission. So that's when I really kind of doubled down on the food waste. And the way I figured out what ends and stems would be was by interviewing um, almost a thousand families across the United States. Wow. So what they told me was that they cared about food waste, but their biggest struggle was just choosing a recipe. It was mm-hmm. meal planning and deciding what to cook. So Ends and Stems became a meal planning platform where I used my experience and, ex- and um, knowledge 
to write recipes and pair them together so that when you buy 25 items at the grocery store for the week, you use them all up. Mm -hmm. So by the time you cook through the meal plans, you won't have any perishables. So the, the theory is basically solve people's top problem, which is we're too busy to meal plan and decide what to cook. And then I solve it in a way that gets what I want, which is their engagement and you know, motivation to reduce their food waste. Oh, that's so awesome. Uh, and it's such, it's a skill. I don't think people realize that, but meal prep, it is. it's a skill. Uh, and if you're not into it, if looking through cookbooks or like saving recipes onto your Pinterest, Pinterest page and then putting them together in some sort of meaningful way where you can go back and search them, if that's not fun for you, it takes an hour to mm -hmm. two hours to do the meal planning. And, you know, if you have other hobbies or would rather be hanging out with your family, it's a chore. So it's really easy to just not do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have the habits on every Sunday. I'm a freak like this. So every Sunday I sit down and I plan my week ahead. I'm also a freelancer, so I have to do this. And um, and and I look through my kitchen. So my, my partner and I Perfect. live together. And we, we both have this. But when it's my week to cook, I look through my kitchen, my cupboards, I see what I currently have, and then I create recipes based on that. That's the, the gold <laughs> standard right there. And that's yes. basically what I do virtually for people. So I, if you follow along for a couple of weeks, I can anticipate, okay, last week mm. you made lentils, but I knew you'd, I know you didn't go through the whole bag of lentils, so I sort of know that you'll probably have that in your pantry. So we go through the dry ingredients as well, um, but each week I do, let's say you buy a bunch of basil, in recipe number one, you might use half of the basil. And then in recipe number three, you're going to use the other half of the basil. So at least I can anticipate that the um, the perishables will be gone. That's um, awesome. Yeah. But starting from your own fridge, that's always like my number one tip on how to reduce food waste. That's really pretty easy. It's just write your grocery list while you're standing in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. This is the way professional chefs do it. Uh, you can't do inventory from memory mm -hmm. because you'll never remember. And I am somebody who thinks I have a very good memory and you know, I, I have a good catalog of what's in my kitchen and I still forget. You have to actually be standing there. You have to physically touch the things, look with your eyes as they say, and make sure that, that you're writing your grocery list for what you actually need. Mm -hmm. Because the, you know, the second biggest tip is to buy less. Mm -hmm. If you just buy less at the grocery store, you're going to have less to waste because yeah. you'll eat it. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole, you know, food waste is not just, you know, putting what you need on your plate. It's, it starts so much earlier than that, which we'll right. get into for sure. I wanted to yeah. ask you about the Great Food Waste Challenge. Tell me more about this yeah. project. So the Great Food Waste Challenge was a way to have a free resource and a business. So the meal planning part is, you know, that's the value. People were willing to pay for that. But I wanted people who maybe didn't see the value in that or are in college or just for whatever reason didn't want the meal planning piece. Maybe they already meal planned, but they still wanted to learn more about food waste. So I was very inspired by, actually it's very timely, um, a, an initiative called Plastic Free July. Mm -hmm. And these are two women founded this in Australia a couple of years ago. And they are now up to something like 4 million subscribers. Whoa. And every July, it's an online pledge. You can actually go and you sign up and you say, I pledge to not use any single-use plastics in the month of July. Um, and it, they've been very successful. And so I wanted to do a similar type of initiative, but for food waste. Mm -hmm. So the Great Food Waste Challenge is my you know, early attempts at that. We, we launched it at the beginning of the year and it's an online pledge. It's free. 
there's never any advertising or sales. You put your email address down. And the idea is that as the, you know, the leader of it, I'm sort of collecting a virtual global community mm-hmm. and saying, you know, your, your actual next door neighbor might not care, but here are your virtual neighbors. Here are your nice. global neighbors who do care about food waste. And I think, you know, I haven't actually checked it this week, but um, we were up over 700 participants and with over nine countries represented. Um, so it's, you know, it's coming together and I intend to just keep rolling with it. And each month I will send out an email that has three really quick actionable tips for reducing your food waste in a certain category. So July, for example, is going to be um, barbecuing or mm-hmm. having outdoor parties. You know, what can you do? How can you keep your food um, so that it doesn't go to waste in that type of setting? That's brilliant. I'm part of the email list, so, and I think it's awesome. Um, you know, before this podcast and throughout it as well, I was thinking a lot about when did I start to care? When did I start to become conscious yeah. of it? And actually, uh, you mentioned it a little bit. When you were in the kitchen, you thought, a lot about being pragmatic and and saving money and and as a consequence you, that was environmentally friendly and I think it was the same for me so um, my parents have a nice house they worked hard to to, to build it and and um, it's a very comfortable house and when I moved out <laughs> and I had to pay my own bills <laughs> and I couldn't afford that same standard of living um (laughs) that's when to put it nicely (laughs) that's when i started to care but also it was it was because of the money first so i managed my food carefully right i I did that trick that i told you about every sunday and i um and i took shorter showers and i try not to leave the the lights on for too long i started to care because of because of my bills and then as a result, I think just having people over for, for dinner, people realized how conscious I was and they they, right. they commented on it and I realized, oh yeah, this is important. This is this is something I, I really need to do. And I realized how many people weren't doing it when they right. told me that they would take out their garbage like once every two days. And I thought that was insane. I take out my garbage like once a week. And yeah. things like that would just... Li- yeah, being pragmatic, comparing pragmatic, comparing myself to other people and learning through through them. How about you? What like, did you? Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I feel like one of my favorite parts about talking about food waste and kind of inspiring people, like my style, is not to shame anybody or intimidate them or you know mm. make them feel bad about what they haven't done up to this point. It's more to just encourage them that you can really start now, and also that every little action matters. And people that know me really well always sort of laugh because um, I can be very stubborn and even negative at times. So it's for me to have this sort of, you know, pie in the sky ideal that every little bit matters and we come together. And um, but what by by talking about it all the time, I've seen that it really, really adds up Mm -hmm. and that it does matter when your friends come over and they see how you act or they see the decisions that you make. That is really how we start to build communities. Mm -hmm. And then those communities start to change culture a little bit. And then culture is what starts to change laws at the local level and then laws at the larger level. So that eventually, if we all start making these actions individually, we can start to see the systemic changes that we really need. And, you know, we just need to kick that into high gear and make that go faster because we need to see changes both individual and systemic happening pretty soon. Absolutely. Um, so I think for me, the, you know, my, my entry into 
food waste specifically was, like I said, just by running a business and then starting to, once I sold my business, I'd worked on it for 10 years and I didn't know what was next. I just felt, I felt a little bit lost and I went and worked for another company and I didn't love that. And I kind of felt like I wanted to start something new, but I wanted it to have meaning and, and do something more than just earn money. And that's when the food waste things started coming mm. out. So I knew right away that I was going to get more involved in it. But being more green and sustainable overall, I think is, you know, I kind of live in this bubble of San Francisco where that's actually all pretty common. We have, we have curbside compost. So when we put out our trash, we separate, you know, compost separately and the garbage truck comes by and takes our compost to a facility and compost it. So when that started, I mean that we've been doing that for a long time already. Um, I mean, at, at least, 10 years, I'm going to say. So when that started is probably, you know, when we really started thinking about separating these things out and why that matters and what that can look like when, you know, an entire city does it. And it's pretty awesome. Do you know, I don't know if you're going to, you're going to know this, but do you know when San Francisco started to make those changes? What led it to do that? Because there's so many cities that are so behind yeah, I, you know, I don't, I would speculate, not specifically for the composting, but I would speculate that it's just sort of the, it's the zeitgeist here, it's the mm-hmm. mindset, everybody, I feel like is always at the forefront of pushing these things. Mm-hmm. So it's relatively easy to get them passed. San Francisco is also a relatively small city. Mm-hmm. We, we just have about a million people. And it mm-hmm. feels like, the the mindset is to be better, to be more responsible and, and be more sustainably driven. So by no means are we perfect. There are still plenty of people who either don't follow along or places where the composting doesn't reach. But, um, you know, we do have we have groups that kind of push these things forward. And I do think the community in general is pretty willing to accept it. Yeah, having a community or surrounding yourself with people that care and are trying to make an effort and and can educate you is it's so powerful i was talking to someone yesterday about uh media food media to be specific but there are so many documentaries about the environment out there that make you feel like an awful person after you watch it they put out these facts and they they make you feel like you're a criminal and and it's like you can't realistically you can't make impact that way you have to tell stories you have to connect with people you have to change your tone so that people will listen right. to you and and yeah having a sense of community um to feel like okay just a little bit counts or i'm doing this with with people around me that's i think what changes what, what makes the biggest change right and i also like when i watch those documentaries like uh, the one leonardo dicaprio did sticks out in my mind when they talked about the palm oil and they just showed all of the palm forests in malaysia just raised and you can see the difference between the natural forest and then the the palm trees and i mean it just like makes you catch your breath it's mm-hmm. so upsetting and i don't know what to do about it i want to do something huge but um when I feel that way, to have something, at least something that you can do, something that you can control and something that you know is going in the right direction, to me, that starts to make me feel a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I have to work. I need to earn my income to keep a roof over my family's head. So I can't just, you know, abandon ship and go picket line or, you know, (laughs) leave my town and go do something crazy. I can't run for office. Like, all of these things feel like too much. They're mm-hmm. not realistic for my life. Um, 
And then even other things like I rent my house, so I can't put solar panels on it or, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't even get an electric vehicle and plug it in because you need one of those special chargers. And so there are so many things that are beyond reach. But to have small things that um, you can do all the time that actually matter at home, like, you know, taking my coffee cup to the store, refusing straws, and then paying attention to my food waste and making sure that we're not wasting anything, that what we're buying, we're using, and then promoting that message are all well within anyone's means to do. You don't need to have any money. In fact, doing all those things will save you money. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't need any special skills or tools. So I love starting in this place because it takes that fear of it's too far gone and it's the problem's too big and it actually turns it into really small, easy steps that everybody can do. And you can't stay stagnant in just those two steps, but you can constantly find the next tiny step to Mm -hmm. sort of add to your repertoire and then get a little bit better all the time. Um, So that's why I like talking about it and I like providing feedback. On my website, um, on the meal planning side, Um, It actually gives people an impact report, and I went through this whole process to actually estimate if you follow the meal plans based on what the average amount of food wasted during a week is, how much better you will be, how much less food you will waste, and then we converted that into kilograms of, um, uh, of greenhouse gases emitted, and then because... 90 kilograms of greenhouse gases doesn't mean anything to anybody. We converted that into slices of pizza. Mm -hmm. So when you get your weekly report, it'll actually say like, hey, Daniela, you have saved 100 slices of pizza from the landfill because that gives you a reaction. You can picture throwing away 100 slices of pizza seems crazy. Nobody would do that. Um, So it's a sort of funny math and there's certainly you can poke some holes in it but the point is to show people that their efforts do matter and that their impact does add up yeah that's brilliant i want to ask you a case scenario question and this is based on a true story so okay uh what i want to ask you is would you eat someone else's leftovers at a restaurant or if you saw someone leave a substantial amount of leftovers at a restaurant what would you do if you wouldn't Mm -hmm. eat it what would you do if anything. So yes and no. Um, my initial reaction was actually no because of a, a food sa- from a food safety standpoint. Mm-hmm. But then I actually realized I did this. So <laughs> we, <laughs> we went to my grandmother's 90th birthday party. Um, it was on the coast of Georgia, um, the state. And we went to this fancy, fancy hotel and there was a bride and a groom. This was my stepmom and I just went in for a nightcap. So it was probably 11 p.m. And this bride and groom were sitting there and they were eating one of the regional specialties. I had never been to that area before. And it was this pimento cheese, which is like famous, you know, southern dish. And it's sort of cheese with peppers and sour cream or mayonnaise or something in it. I don't even know. But it had this was a very elegant restaurant. It was a beautiful version. And they had this pimento cheese ball that's like, you know, the size of a tennis ball, maybe with crackers around it. And they were, we were talking to them about their wedding, and it was just the two of them. And I mentioned I was a chef, and I had never tried pimento cheese. And, and they were like, oh, we're done. Here, take our appetizer. So they <laughs> slid the cheese over to us, and we did. We ate it. And it didn't even seem weird. But then when you asked me this question, I thought, no, I wouldn't eat somebody's leftovers. I'm not extreme like that. Like I would, My initial reaction would be to help educate people not to order so much and waste it next mm-hmm. time. But then I thought, oh. 
I actually did eat off some total stranger's plate Mm -hmm. and it wasn't weird. So what was it? And I think it was the connection. Yeah, I was going to say the same. By the time I tasted their appetizer, we felt like friends. I knew their wedding story. It was her third marriage and his second. And so (laughs) they didn't feel like strangers anymore. Um, Even though as a chef, my initial concern was food safety. I didn't ask them how long it had been sitting there or, you know, whether they double dipped or anything like that. Um, So I think the weird answer to the question is, did the person get up and leave and their food is just sitting there? I would never eat it because I would be so weirded out by what happened to it before I got there. But if clearly if I make a connection with them, I would absolutely eat off a stranger's plate. Um, and I think that just speaks to, um, again, community and, you know, why it matters to know people mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and, and feel like we're kind of all in this together. But I do think you should not go around eating off other people's plates because food <laughs> Um, food safety is real Mm -hmm. and if food is sitting out for too long or, you know, you can, um, you know, transmit the flu and other things through putting a fork in your mouth and then putting it back into a plate. So you probably should not go around eating people's leftovers. Um, so I asked, so I'll tell you the, the story behind this. So I was at a cafe with, um, some friends and the people behind us had ordered two slices of cake. Like we're talking about huge slices, like three, three tiers and uh, it was barely in touch and they left. And at first we thought that just they went to the washroom or maybe they went out to smoke. I don't know. But after like 20 minutes, we realized that um, they weren't coming back. And, you know, in Spain, the service is really slow. So at this point, yeah. the, the, <laughs> the server hadn't taken the plates away. And my friend, she's like, I'm, I, this is crazy. I can't believe it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go get it. And we're all like, no, that's disgusting. You can't do that. <laughs> she's like, but it's such a big waste. The restaurant is just going to throw it out. And so eventually she reaches over and she takes the two plates of, of cake that was like barely untouched. Okay. And the people, there were, there was like a couple around us and they said, oh, we're so glad that you did that. If you hadn't done it, we would have done it ourselves. And in that moment, I thought, okay, this was disgusting. I'm ashamed to be your friend. <laughs> but I was also really upset with those people that had left it. And I, yeah, you know, my initial reaction was, you know, if I had suspected it earlier, I think I would have confronted them. And this is kind of what I want to get to at, uh, with this right. question is, okay, it's kind of humorous to talk about would you eat it or not. But realistically, these are people that were quite careless. Maybe they had you know, a good reason for it, but I think they could have at least taken it to go or, you know, given right. it to a friend or even given it to a homeless person. I just think it was so careless and irresponsible. And if that, if I were to see that again, initially, I think I would confront the, that, that, that person and say, Hey, food waste is a big issue. I don't know if I would say go eat this, but at least yeah. like, <laughs> eat your cake. Eat your cake. Yeah. I, You know, I wonder how, or just if you're in the position to, Mm. you know, talk to those people specifically, or if it's sort of a situation where like paying it forward matters. So Mm. maybe you don't need to talk to those two people, but if you could bring up the topic at your next dinner party Mm -hmm. and tell that story and let everybody else know what they saw. And the point is to remind people that when you go to a restaurant, 
you know, order less. You can always add more to your order, especially if it's something like a slice of cake. If you only got one slice of cake, you could have another one at your table, you know, pretty quickly. Even mm -hmm. in Spain, it wouldn't take that long. Yes. <laughs> they could bring it over. If it was a dish now where, you know, it said this won't be brought out. It takes 30 minutes to cook in the back because they cook a souffle to order or whatever it is. Obviously, that's a little bit more challenging. But I don't feel like that's the norm. You can always add on to your order um, and, and pay attention and order a little bit less. So I do think smart ordering at restaurants, like paying attention to how full you actually are, you know, talking to the other people at your table about what you're going to share and what you aren't going to share so that you can make sure you eat everything mm -hmm. that you, that you purchase or do have a plan to take it home. Um, yeah. and then once you get it home though, the trick is you actually have to eat it as well. Um, or give you it know, to someone that will eat it. People, or give it to somebody who will. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people do bring leftovers home and then they just throw them away at home in three days, oh. which doesn't really help anything. But um, yeah, so I guess I, I would ask, does it matter if you actually talk to those two people or can you just pass this message along? Mm -hmm. Like you've put yourself in a position to have a, a platform for food and other people talking about this. Mm -hmm. So perhaps rather than a confrontation of those two, um, you can take this message to your community of hundreds mm -hmm. and make sure that they know and then you've actually, you know, scaled the the conversation. Yes, uh, that's a not that's that, a non-aggressive way of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I thought about this and I think if it were to happen again, I think I a part of me wants to try just to see what would happen. A part yeah. of me wants to confront them, but maybe do it in a very doing it in a very respectful way and not in a I'm pointing the finger at you way kind of right. say hey food I'm I really care about food waste I noticed that you you left some cake do you mind if I ask the restaurant to take it to go and I can give it to some homeless person or something like that and right that I'm would be a good way because you're actually then stepping in to do something about it and they might feel just a little bit of shame because somebody else is sort of cleaning up their mess but you're doing it very nicely so that would be good. Let me know how that goes. I'd be very um, curious because certainly the counterpoint to, you know, my argument of taking it to the community instead is you have identified two active food wasters. <laughs> yes. So isn't it better to tell them than it is to go and maybe tell somebody, you know, in your community who might already be paying exactly. attention? Exactly. That, that's so what I'm trying you, to get at is that there's people... two active Mm -hmm. sorry sorry <laughs> we're like talking over each other because we're so passionate about it <laughs> there's um, a man who walks um in my neighborhood and he walks every morning he's an older man and he smokes a cigarette while he walks and for whatever reason his house and my house must just be one cigarette length away because he throws his cigarette butt in on the sidewalk in front of my house every morning and every morning I want to go out there and just be like don't, please don't do that. Like stop throwing it on my lawn. So telling somebody else not to throw their cigarette isn't going to solve my problem here. Mm -hmm. You know, I specifically want this guy to think about how many cigarettes he throws on the ground. So um, I think the comparison is the same. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe tell offer like a little, doing it. yeah, maybe offer like a little trash bin specifically for him. <laughs> like Next time, yeah, put exactly. it in here. I'm going to take his picture. Okay, so the last question, I, I feel like we could talk about this for hours, but the, the last thing I want to talk to you about, so we're talking about responsibility, right? And and how to approach people, how to confront people, how to educate people. Where do you think it starts? Do you think it starts with everyday people like us making a change in our day-to-day -day lives? Or do you think that it's a matter of um, something that governments and corporations 
should be taking control of? Yep. I think both. Um, it, absolutely both. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think when individual people start to change and pay attention, it just makes them more engaged and more receptive to the laws that are then passed. Mm-hmm. So two examples are um, in, in Berkeley, California, not that far from me, they passed a soda tax. And this one was more aimed at, um, you know, getting little kids to drink less soda and really everybody in general to drink less soda. So when the soda taxes have passed in other or have come up in other towns across the country and the people, the individuals in those communities weren't receptive to it because they weren't already trying to drink less soda, the the law didn't pass. Mm -hmm. But in Berkeley, where the movement was already sort of more farm to table and eat and drink more naturally, Mm -hmm. the soda tax just flew through and Mm -hmm. nobody really even questioned it because it was already something that the people supported and believed in. So I do think that individuals need to do what they can to, at a dinner party, show, hey, we're not going to have any wasted food here. Bring your Tupperware when you come to this potluck because we're all going to take the leftovers home. Or or imagine this, you actually serve only enough food so that the plates actually <laughs> run out before the party's over. It's okay. I'm a professional caterer, and I'm telling you it's okay if some of the food runs out during the party. But people hate this feeling, right. and then they're left with so many leftovers. So if we start to see that the people around us are paying attention to these things, um, then by the time others who are involved in government can actually start getting some changes on the books and make the the rest of the people sort of pick up the slack, that's when the the laws will pass and it'll be easier to implement them because it already is mirrored in what um, the community is doing. So I really think you do, you need to have both. The other example is straws, plastic straws have been, when that first came out, people were mocking it like, Oh, the government's taking away our straws. But then as restaurants started putting it out and as people started telling the story about how many straws are in the ocean and, and why that matters, then when the straw laws have started to come through, if the community is paying attention to them, um, already it's easier to pass and it doesn't feel so punitive. That yeah, it's you're right. It goes hand in hand for sure. Okay, we got to wrap this up because otherwise it's going to be an hour long. Um, before before we come to an end, I want to ask you where can we find you online? I am at ends and stems pretty much everywhere. So e n d s a n d s t e m s, and that's on Facebook. I have a Facebook group and a you know page for the business. I'm on Twitter though. I'm not really much of a tweeter. Um, and my Instagram page is really pretty. I make sure to take lots of nice pictures. Um, so at ends and stems, and then the website is also endsandstems.com. And from that website, you can find the great food waste challenge. So pretty easy to find me. If it's not, I'm not doing my job well here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Allison. Thanks, Daniela. This was fun. Mm-hmm.